Good morning. Good morning. I'm glad you all made it here to worship service. We can worship our God in spirit and in truth. And if you're visiting us, one thing I want you to know is we worship God according to the Word of God. We follow the Bible, and we do the things he wants us to do. And from the beginning, Genesis, all the way to Revelation, we find that it's really beneficial to our following God's plan to be obedient to him. You know, let me, let me share something with you. Young people, I want you to bear with me. This, this might be alien to you because this was a different generation, okay? Uh, when I was coming up as a, as a little boy, I know you can't believe that, but I was a little boy at one time. Uh, one thing that my, my mom and dad did, uh, on the, on especially Sunday, Sunday afternoons, evening time period, we used to go for a drive. Get me and my sister and my dad get us and we'll go for a drive. My, my dad was raised in the Miami area. We'll drive through his old neighborhood or we will, we will go to the airport and watch the planes take off and land. I don't know if they do that anymore, but that's what, that's what we did. That was a family time, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, we did that, but it was always a time where everybody wanted to go home. Asked my mom, you want, honey, you want to go home? Yeah, I want to go home. You, you guys, were, yeah, we're ready to go home. And then we go home, and we were happy that, to be home together. And that's how I feel here in the house of the Lord, being here with the church, I'm happy to be here with you all. I'm home. I'm happy. I'm satisfied. I'm at peace. So all I want you to realize something that we are going to be together for eternity. And I believe in the promise of God. He's going to take care of his people. His plan was to take care of us from the beginning. So worship God, love God, love one another, and tell the world about Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. Will you pray with me? Most Holy Father, Father, we, we love you, and we know that you love us. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for our sins. Father, we know we fall short, but you, you gave us the opportunity through Jesus Christ to be with you. Please continue to bless us here at North Rivard. Father, we are we're trying to do your will. We're trying to tell our, our neighbors, our friends, about your son, Jesus. We're trying, Father, to, to be that light that's shining where men may see our good works and glorify you. 
Father, be with us in our worship again. Father, take care of our young people. Protect them from the evil one. Thank you for all that you do for us, Father. Pray this prayer in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If it's convenient for you, let's stand and sing number two together. Number two. We praise thee, O God. We praise thee, O God.
Will you bow with me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we graciously approach your throne of majesty, grace, and, and wonder, grateful for the opportunity to be alive, the opportunity to experience the good and the bad so that we know the difference between the two, can learn the lessons that you need us to learn, and be better examples of the Christians that you need us to be. Father, we want to lift up several individuals. There's folks that are going to be having surgery. There's folks that have tests coming up or are recovering from surgery or having various health issues. So, Father, we wanted to lift up Fran, Gigi, Pat, Dennis, Betty, Rita, Lloyd, Sandy, Gail, Chris, Ricky, Alvin, Nora, and Mike. Father, we're grateful to live in a nation where we have a healthcare system that can, we can utilize that can treat many of the ailments that we have and has done a lot to extend our lifespan and, and improve our quality of life. But it's always scary when you're, you're the one that has to go in for the surgery. So Father, we ask that you be with those folks that are either going in for procedures or in the recovery process from one. Father, we're just grateful that Another day has been given that we can come together in this free nation to worship you, where we have that privilege. Let us never forget or forget to consider that not everybody has that freedom around the world. And we ask that you help preserve that freedom for us so that we are able to better be shining lights and examples for others freely. Father, we ask that you be with those men and women that are serving overseas and that are dealing with the conflicts around the world. We ask that you allow those conflicts to come to an end in a, with a peaceful resolution. Father, we ask that you be with each of us this morning, help our hearts and minds be open and attentive to the lesson that is gonna be presented. Allow us to take those things in, learn from them, pull them in and ponder on them so that we, we can better emulate you. Father, in all things we ask, Jesus' name, amen. Help prepare our minds for taking Lord's Supper. We're going to sing number 350, 350. When my love to Christ grows
As uh, we partake in the Lord's Supper, um, we're going to have a couple slides, I guess, in between. Um, as we uh, take part of the uh, bread, um, let's, let us be thankful. Heavenly Father, as we come here this morning and we, we take this bread that represents your body, Father, we all know the story of the upper room and you you, you shared these emblems with the disciples, the bread representing your body, Father, that I think it represents that, um, you know, it's hard to live in the flesh, that we have many trials, that the world comes at us at all directions, Father. And um, I think it's just a symbol to, that lets us know that you know what we go through. and. Um, and you, you still love us. You, you love us with, with all your heart. And you um, just, you know, this, this emblem just, it just makes us, you know, grow in you and, and stay stronger in you. And, and you want us to partake this at the beginning of, of every week. And I think this is because we, we need this emblem to, to keep strong and, and keep in your word and keep in your faith. So as we take this bread, let us do in a manner that's pleasing to you and understanding to the love that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. this is the uh, fruit of the vine. Heavenly Father, this is the symbolism of, of the sacrifice, the blood, the, the final understanding that, that this is the truth. Everything you said at that table has already been foreseen and everything has already been done. And this is the symbol of eternal life that that you understand us, you know us, but it's still you want us to come and live with you in peace forever. As we take this, let us be comfortable and confident of the love that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. The elders set apart this time let us pray Heavenly Father as we come this morning Father with love in our hearts and love in the congregation Father let us be mindful that it doesn't come without an expense this building's expensive things keep going up and we love this place so it, it does take means to, to keep us going so as we give this morning, let us give with a graceful heart, open heart, and a loving heart for one another, and especially for your son, the sacrifice he made for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
And when the Sonchon uh, who who stood facing him saw that in the in this way he breathed his last, he said, "Truly, the man, this man, was the son of God." time children that are two second grade and younger are dismissed to go back to the Bible hour. For those of us remaining, if you want to mark the invitation song, it's gonna be number 683, 683. And those of us that are remaining that stand and sing 548, 548. This is a toe tapper, so sing along, sing loud. <coughs> So this will be the last sermon on the fruit of the Spirit. I know I said that last week. For some of you who are paying attention right at the beginning, I know I said that. But there was this part that I had planned that I never got to. And I actually think it's the most important part. So rather than just moving on and pretending like, well, I got everything and I wanted to, I decided we have, to, we have to go through this one moment together. We have to see it exactly the way that it is. It's so important when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We've been talking about it this whole 
sermon series has been not only that God, recognizing that God is working in us. He is dwelling in us and he is working in us so that he, truthfully, so that he can come out of us. That's what bearing the fruit of the Spirit is. It's God coming out of us. It's, it's when people look at you and they don't see you anymore. They see Jesus working through you. That is bearing fruit. But there's also the other side. It's the side where we take our own ownership of our lives, where we take our own um, responsibility for the other side, if you will, of the agreement between us and the Lord. And that other side is where Jesus said, if anyone chose to come after me, he must first. And take up his cross and follow me, right? If you're going to chase God, you got to deny yourself and you have to take up your cross and follow him. When I say we're trying to cultivate the ground, we're trying to cultivate the ground so that God can grow fruit in us. That's exactly what I mean. We're trying to get to the place where we can deny ourselves, not just on Sunday, but every single day of our lives, we can deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Because if I want to save my life, I first must, I got to lose it. That's total surrender to Jesus. That's denying myself every single day. So that no longer it's Matt Robinson who lives, but it's Jesus Christ who lives through me. And the same for you. That's what this whole situation is about. That's what these fruits of the Spirit, that's what they're really about. And I know we've kind of took it from an angle of, I really wanted to go through each one and get you to think about each specific fruit. Each specific aspect that God is trying to bring out of your life. And we went through those very slowly. Today, I'm going to show you one moment. I'm going to show you one moment in time where all these fruit are present at the exact same time. And, this, and, and it's, it's profound. It's unbelievable the result that happens when all these fruit are present at the exact same time. It starts like this. At the cross... At the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my soul, what did it do? It was gone. You see, Jesus at the cross, he, every fruit of the Spirit was present at the cross. And I want to show you that today. I want you to be crystal clear that that happened at the cross, that Jesus, that the Son of God, on his worst day, when the entire world was against him, he had every single fruit of the Spirit there and available and present, and people saw it. You know what else? They couldn't deny it. So I want to start with some scripture and then we'll get into the cross. But every fruit of the Spirit was present during Jesus' crucifixion. The first one's easy, right? Love. Was love present at the crucifixion? Hey, that one's easy. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 
Love was present at the crucifixion. Ephesians 5 says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. That's why he did it. Because he loved us, he gave himself up for us. And then you've got this one. Galatians 2, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Don't forget, don't, don't miss this point. In the life now li that I live in the flesh, I live by faith. How does he live by faith? Because he denies himself. He denies himself. See, the reality is there's going to be pieces of you that never go away, pieces of you that want to lead you astray, pieces of you that want to take you and lead you in the direction that is not godly, but is very fleshly. It is very human, but not godly. And we have to deny those things in our lives every single day. You know why the culture of the world is so easy to talk everybody into? Because it doesn't ever tell you to deny your flesh. It says, hey, if it feels natural, do it. It's cool. It's good. What do you want to do today? Go do it. Who cares what, what, how it affects everybody else and how it makes everybody else feel? Just go do it. You be you. I'll be me. It's easy. That's an easy message to spread. It's completely non-confrontational. It's completely accepting and overwhelmingly accepting. It feels good. But the truth is, would you accept every behavior? Would you accept every choice? Would you look at every behavior, every choice, every situation and, and be able to say, no, there was nothing wrong with that. Of course you wouldn't. It's false. Let me give you one more. Titus 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves of various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. If you have hate in your heart for anyone, you say, but it's okay to hate your enemies, right? Nope, Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for them, actually, that's what he said. says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. When the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. I want you to understand that it was Jesus' love, it was His goodness, and it was His kindness that led him to the cross. It led him there. It was his love, it was his goodness and kindness that saw the cross, that saw <clears throat> the instrument of death that was really, it was really our price. It was really because of the choices of our sins. It was really our cross. It was really for us to bear. It was really the punishment that we deserved. 
In fact, out of everybody who ever lived, he's the only one who didn't deserve it. But it was because of his love and his goodness and his kindness, not just for you, but for every single person that's ever lived in all of life, in all of history, in all of time. Every single person. It was that love and that goodness and that kindness that led him to the cross. Because we all know there was a time, there was that one little small moment of time where he didn't really want to do it. I want to show you something else. Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And, and, and this, is, this, is, this is that part. This is that part. Right? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Endurance. He was faithful to the cross. And then you got Matthew 26 where he's wrestling with this moment because he knows the magnitude of what the next few moments are going to bring. He knows the suffering that he's about to go through. And he wrestles with it just like anybody would, just like any human being would. God, what you're asking for me, it's too great. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. If there's any other way, if there's any other way for this, for this solution to happen, God, make it happen. But if not, then not my will but yours be done. We know this scripture. Not my will but yours be done. I want you to see that it was Jesus' faithfulness and joy that motivated him while enduring his suffering. It was his faithfulness to God's will, and it was the joy that was set before him that allowed him to endure the suffering that he went through for each of us. And you know what? When you're going through suffering, you remember this. Even in your suffering, you have a joy that's set before you. So be faithful to the will of God. Colossians 1.20 For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross. Last but not least I want you to remember this. It was the peace. It was for peace that Jesus breathed his last breath while on that cross. It was for peace because of our sin. There had to be reconciliation. And just like the scripture pointed out before, there was no other way. Now, what happened that day? What happened that day? Did he just all of a sudden show up and 
put himself on a cross and everything was good to go? No. What was the first thing that happened? The scriptures say he was despised and he was rejected. Son of God comes, lives a perfect life, and on this day he is despised and he is rejected. I really want you to put yourself in this place for a moment. I want you to see this for exactly what it is. First of all, one of his main guys... And I'm not saying they had the best relationship. It's not, he's not one of the three that Jesus seemed to take everywhere with him, okay? But one of his main guys, one of his 12, one of the guys that was set apart to be an apostle, Judas, which we discussed on Wednesday night, one of those guys, that guy, that guy, he gets betrayed. Imagine one of your best friends betraying you. Not only betraying you, but betraying you in such a way that you walk up and you pretend like, oh man, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to see you. And you kiss, you get, he kisses you on the cheek. And then right after he kisses you on the cheek, you get rushed. You think that was tough to take? I mean, I know he's God. I get it. We read this stuff and we always read it through the lens of God. But put yourself in that place. Would that be tough to take? You spend three years every single day of your life with this person. They walk up, they act like they're so excited to see you, like it's the greatest moment of their life, and they kiss you on the cheek, and then you realize what's going on. You've been betrayed. He was accused. What did they make the accusation of? Well, the accusation they actually made to, to, to the Romans was, he's going to try to overthrow Caesar. Is that what Jesus was trying to do? His kingdom was not of this world. He wasn't trying to overthrow Caesar. In fact, when they came to him and they challenged him, they said, hey, what do you do with the taxes? What did he say? He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. He wasn't trying to overthrow Caesar. He's trying to change the world. When Pilate stands before him and says, they say you're the king of the Jews. And he says, it is as you say. He says, what? My kingdom is not of this world. So he's accused, not only accused, but falsely accused, not only accused, but accused by the people that should have actually been the ones who were proclaiming him. These were the leaders. These were the people who should have been waiting for this moment to proclaim the Messiah to the world. And yet instead, they falsely accused him so they could get him on the cross. He's mocked. Not just mocked, paraded around. Paraded around. Like he was nothing. And everywhere he went, whether it was before Pilate, before Herod, before the Jewish people, he's being mocked and ridiculed. They're dressing him up to mock him. They're putting the crown of thorns on his head. They're, they're blindfolding him and they're, and they're punching him. And they're saying, hey, if you're so smart, if you're the son of God, tell us who's hitting you, Jesus. Who's hitting you, Jesus? I mean, this is crazy stuff that's happening to the son of God. This is the reality this is the climax of the entire Bible. This is the moment where you're supposed to see the light. He's being mocked. He's being put out in front of a crowd after he's been beat. And you think they're going, oh. No, they're cheering. This is great to them. And of course he's whipped. And ultimately crucified. Imagine the type of patience. 
and gentleness and self-control. You know, when I tell you, the scriptures tell you this, but when I remind you all the time that no one could kill Jesus, that he did it on his own, on his own will, that no one could have kept him on the cross, that he stayed there because of his love for you and me, that he could have got off that cross at any point in time. He was the son of God. Don't forget, they didn't just mock him there. They mocked him on the cross too. In fact, that's what they said. Hey, Jesus, if you're the son of God, save yourself. Imagine. I mean, if you had the power of God in your hands and this was your day, what would you have done with it? I'd have been zapping everybody. Honey, oh, son of God, save yourself. I'm serious. Don't miss this for what it is. Don't miss what they're seeing. And then to be able to say this, in the midst of all that, you don't think they knew what they were doing? Do you think that the high priest, Caiaphas, and his family, do you think they knew what they were doing? I can show you a ton of scripture. I didn't in this lesson, but I can show you a ton of scripture that will show you they knew exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were dealing with. They knew exactly why they were doing what they were doing. And this was all part of their plan. They knew what they were doing. What about the people who were just throwing out insults and the ones who screamed, we don't want Jesus, give us Barabbas. Well, then what should I do with Jesus? Crucify, crucify, crucify. You think they didn't know what they were doing? You don't think any of them saw the miracles of Jesus? You don't think any of them experienced Jesus? You don't think Jesus was such a big name that what kind of name recognition do you think Jesus had? You say the world was smaller then and, and, and less technological. So the, what, kind of, what kind of recognition did he have? What kind of name recognition did he have? Well, I can tell you this right now. He'd go and hide in woods. He'd go across lakes. He'd go to spots where he would try to get away. And guess what? Everywhere he went, he found more people who were looking for who? Jesus. That's the type of name recognition he had. Everywhere he went, everybody knew who he was. People would come in droves. Oh my goodness, Jesus is in town. Hey, get everybody who's sick. Get everybody who's been struggling. Get all the people who are born paralyzed, blind, deaf. Get them over here quick. He, all he's got to do is touch them. He's going to heal them. That's what it was like. You don't think these people knew what they were doing? I'll tell you right now, by the time you get to Acts 2, they knew what they did. What amazing patience, what amazing gentleness, what amazing self-control to be able to say in that moment, surrounded by all these people, Father, forgive them for that. They don't really know what they're doing. What did it do? What did it do? Well, 
I'm going to give you three examples of people who had no belief in Jesus. Not a single iota, as far as I can tell, in Jesus, but also went through this experience. Pilate. What's the first thing we see in Mark 15, 10? He sees them bring in Jesus and he perceives right from the beginning. They've only brought him in because they don't like him, because they don't like what he's got. They don't like the following he has. They're envious of the power that Jesus presents to the Jewish people. Pilate sees it right from the beginning. What else does he say? He, he says, why should I do this to him? What evil has he done? In fact, he says, I find no guilt in this man. Then he sends them to Herod. Herod sends them back. Pilate says, not only do I find no guilt in this man, but Herod has found no reason to kill him either. What can we do about this? What is there to be done? He's not guilty. You know, this is after Barabbas. After after he makes the decision and they say, we'll take Barabbas, he comes out to the crowd one more time and he says, Guys, he's not guilty. You really want to kill an innocent man? You remember what they said? Let his blood be on our hands and our children's hands. That's what he said. That's what the crowd said. And that's why he says, I'm innocent of this man's blood. And what did he do in that moment? He washed his hands. It can be on your hands, but I don't want nothing to do with this. You know when Pilate really makes the statement, though? You know it was him who put the sign up there. You know the one that read King of the Jews? Did you know he put it in every single major language of the time? So that anybody who walked by would be able to read that? Did you know that those same people that he, wa he watched walk in parading Jesus around and, and saw that they were envious, do you know they came back to him and they said, hey, we don't really like that you said he's king of the Jews. Why don't you say that he thought he was king of the Jews? And you know what Pilate said? I wrote what I wrote. I wrote what I wrote. It's not changing. Now, I know what some of y'all are thinking. Does Pilate go on to, um, to be one of the leaders of the Christian movement? Actually, we don't very, know very much about Pilate. And for many years, they tried to tell you that Pilate wasn't real. So we don't really know. But you know what he did do? He saw a man on his worst day with the whole world against him. Getting ready to die. And was so moved by what he saw that he wrote, King of the Jews. What about the criminal? The criminal was right there, experiencing everything that they did to Jesus. You know what's crazy? I bet he didn't get treated near as bad. Jesus got a special crucifixion. He didn't get the normal one. In fact, one of the things I left out is Jesus, Jesus was beat so badly. He was, he was in such bad shape that by the time they put him on the cross, he actually dies quick. When Pilate hears the news, he's surprised at how quick Jesus died. He's actually shocked. He's like, wow, he died already? 
He didn't get the normal one. So you got these two criminals, they're sitting on the cross, and one, one, he's still in that place. He's still in that place that we all struggle with. He's still in that place where he's trying to feed the flesh. You know what he's thinking about in this moment? The crowd's mocking Jesus. You know what he's thinking about in this moment? He's thinking the same thing the crowd is. And, and, and instead of saying, hey, Jesus, if you're the Messiah, save yourself, he's saying, save us. Why don't you save us then? He's joining right in, it, right in with the mocking of the crowd. The other criminal says, why would you treat him like this? One, he's been put through way more than us. I know I'm mad living here, but just hear me out. He's been put through way more than us. Two, we know what we did. We know we're guilty. By the way, guilty of death. Not some small little petty crime. Something for real. So what does he do? He says, we're, we're guilty. But this man's done nothing wrong. How does he know that? How does he know that? Was this criminal a follower of Jesus? We don't know. You know how I think he knows it? Because he sees the way Jesus is dying. He sees the way he's been accused. He sees the day that he's had. And he's looking at him and he's going, I can't even find nothing wrong with him today. You imagine how many times a normal person would have lashed out by this point? When do you come to your wit's end? When do you get to that place where you lose control and you just pop off? Don't act like you don't got a point. We all do, don't we? Where would it have been for you? But here's the criminal on the cross, a man who is filthy, dirty, and even admits to himself in this moment, we deserve to be here. But he clearly doesn't. He clearly doesn't. And that's why he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. You see that gentleness? He didn't look at him and go, man, you've done nothing good in your entire life. And you think I'm just going to let you in? What about the centurion? You know, the ESV translates this in a funny way. It says, and when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the Son of God. You know what he's saying right there? You know what, you know what the Scripture's saying right there? Saying he saw the way he died. You see, the truth is, no one but God. This is weird to say. But no one but God could have died that way. 
And because all them fruits of the Spirit were still evident on that day, people who did not believe saw Jesus on that day and did believe. That's the power of the fruit of the Spirit. Again, you can gloss over all this and say, yeah, I get it, he's God. But he went through every temptation, every struggle, so that we have a high priest who knows us inside and out, who knows the depths of our struggles, who knows the depths of our flesh and our weakness. That's the power of God living in us. That's the power of people seeing Jesus in us. It can change people's minds, not just about you, but about God and this world. This is how far Jesus was willing to go for each of us. Now I ask you, how far are we willing to go for each other? How far are we willing to go for our family, for our friends, for our coworkers, for the people that drive us nuts? For the people who are literally out there just waiting for that moment where you're going to fall and they're going to be the first one to jump up and go, I told you! How far are you willing to go for them? How far are you willing to go for your enemies? You know what Romans 5 says? I know you know what Romans 5 says because I quote it all the time. It says, while we were enemies, Christ died for us. This is what denying yourself, picking up your cross daily, this is what it looks like. It looks like a world where everybody is against you, where you're being falsely accused, persecuted, paraded around, mocked, flogged, beaten publicly, ridiculed. Not just at one point during this process, but all the way through it. But never becoming it but never becoming it. Living in a way that sets you apart from the rest of the world to where when people look at you, they no longer see you, but they see the God that's living in you. For when Jesus died, they knew, they knew, surely this man. They didn't see Jesus the man anymore. They saw Jesus the Son of God. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in his blood, received the forgiveness of sins, been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, God dwelling inside of each one of us, us becoming God's temple? Everywhere we go, he goes with us. So important. And for those of us who have, are we living in such a way that the fruit of the Spirit can bear out in our lives and affect those who we love so dearly that God has put around us. Because ultimately that is the mission. To spread the gospel to all of creation. Where are you at today? If there's a need to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and sing.
Thank you, Matt, for the victory lap message on the uh, fruit of the Spirit. It's, uh, it's just great. I like how he showed it as uh, Jesus displayed it on the cross. Um, fruit is, a tree is known by the fruit it bears, and it, we bear fruit from as he displayed it. We should display it, and we show it from there. Grab yourself a bulletin if you get a chance. They're here, they're online, they're everywhere. Uh, I'm going to highlight a couple things. We'll start out with the food pantry. Uh, right now we're making a drive, uh, focused drive to bring in goods that will go out directly into the food pantry. Uh, the beef stew and uh, instant mashed potatoes are the goal for this month. Like 100 cans and 100 boxes. I think, she's really, I think we're really looking for like half this size, but we have overachievers amongst us, which we're thankful for. So um, bring it in. We'll, we'll pass it around. So... Um, Tell you what, we'll start out with the, the prayer list. Um, Camille's mom, Sherry, she moved. Uh, she moved to the rehab center to uh, after she had a she had a mild stroke last week. Mainly affected her speech and her uh, little confusion. So they're trying to get her back going. So she'll spend a couple weeks in rehab. Also affected her hearing. Is that right? It also affected her hearing, which they said isn't really common with strokes. But um, we've got some sisters having some surgeries coming up. Fran Robinson has surgery on the 22nd. Cheesy Rezcala has hand surgery on the 23rd. And Pat Ortiz has shoulder surgery on March 28th. So pray for those sisters through those surgeries uh, that they'll be okay and they'll recover well. And Dennis Reichert also has surgery coming up. He's gonna have uh, surgery on, he's losing his vision in his eyes. So he's gonna have surgery to help that. Um, so please pray for, pray for all of them. A um, Couple things coming up. Well, I know the uh, senior adults went to the Orlando Wetlands with Gator Gary, and most of them came back this week, right? Yeah. Missing one. Not bad for Gary. That's really... Uh, I, I understand some more shocked how close Gary will get to an alligator. Um, <laughs> don't be shocked. That's just Gary. He's been around him a lot, a lot. Uh, so anyways, everybody sounded like they had a good time, so I'm glad. I like that place over there a whole lot. Uh, the senior adults will be getting together on the... 30th next Thursday we'll be getting together for senior game day always a favorite so you're gonna have food with that there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer so come out for that if that's one of your things a um, couple of things that didn't make the uh, bulletin hold it up it'll be on camera anyways uh, there's a dementia there's a dementia seminar at Concord Street that's this Thursday the 23rd this Thursday at 6 o'clock Concord Street Church of Christ is gonna have a dementia seminar and I'll put it out on a bulletin board uh, and also on April 15th, there'll be a Ladies' Day at Bevel Road Church of Christ up in Daytona, and they've invited all the ladies for that. On next Sunday, um, the kids from Freed Hardeman, there'll be a group of them here. I think we're counting 16 if we're counting Shunty. Um, 16 of them are coming, and they're going to lead. They're on a mission trip. I don't know why they're coming on a mission trip to Titusville, but why not? So I know why. Anyways, they're coming here and they're going to stay with. If they're staying, if some of the kids are staying with you, Camille wants to meet with the families that they're staying with uh, after worship service. But they'll be here next week and they're going to lead uh, both worship services. They're going to do the the preaching, the song leading, the praying, the whole deal. So they're going to lead both worship services. And uh, Sunday morning, one of the guys is going to be leading the adult class in here in the auditorium, and then the the teen young adults class. They're hoping to split that into a boys and girls, let some of the girls in the group uh, display some of their hard-earned, God-given skills and uh, teach class two. So they're gonna, they're gonna teach three, three Bible classes and they're gonna do, lead both worship services. So I'll look forward to that. They're gonna spend some time over to Florida, Central Florida Bible Camp. Uh, Ron Brackett has some hard work lined up for them. That's a good thing. So that's gonna be a good place for them. They're also gonna, I know they're gonna get together with a couple, three other churches 
to do some work with um, Pine Castle, Concord, and Orange Avenue and Eustace. So welcome them here next week, and I encourage you to, to be at all of that. Uh, the church directory, we've been trying to update our church directory. Is it back there on the table this week? It is back there on the table. Uh, there's a church directory back here on the World Bible School uh, table. Take a look at your entry for your family. Update that with phone numbers, cell phone numbers, um, email addresses. If we need to get a hold of everybody in a kind of a quick way, we got a way to do that. Uh, last week I advertised that, but it walked. So hopefully it'll do better this week. So we got uh, cameras on it and uh, infrared sensors. <laughs> Doug Gertis is standing by with a cattle prod. Just kidding. Uh, anyway, help us with that. Um, Elders Deacons meeting next Tuesday at 7. We're going to talk about prioritizing infrastructure plans. Um, so we've talked about that as we sold the house, the money that we have for that. We're going to put into infrastructure back into here, into the building, into the grounds. Um, so we're going to try to prioritize that. So if you're an elder, you're a deacon, if you're one of the special servants, we'd like you there for that. Uh, the Rosie Missions have the bulletins. There's a few of those on the, on the table out there. Grab one of those, see what's happening at Betacara, see what's happening in Mali. Um, he's got a new opportunity. He started preaching um, recently at a new opportunity for him. And prison ministry has their quarterly bulletin out there too. There's a financial statement for the month of February out there. Uh, it shows the, how the, month, the money's been spent in February. Also shows the money that we received and has a little breakout on the food pantry. Um, food pantry is not quite uh, exactly right. We had some receipts that came in a little later than what we would normally. But anyways, we're doing better on that. It's still, we're working hard to uh, get the food pantry down within budget, but yet still serve our community and still be a place that 40% of our congregation can serve. Uh, we have some new members. So Trey and Natalie McKinney, you guys stand up. I, talk, I promise them not to drag them down front. This is Trey and Natalie. So welcome them. They've, uh, they came and talked to the eldership last week. Uh, they are members of the church. They want to be associated with us. They want to worship here, serve here. So we encourage that. So it's always good to see that new members and uh, they're friendly people. So welcome them in. Tonight, tonight uh, Matt's gonna, his sermon is going to be Rebuilding the Temple, Part 2. Part 2, I think he only got to the foundation, just like they did when they got out of uh, Babylon. He only got to the foundation last week, so we're going to go a little farther. I don't know if he's going to stop to build his house like they did or not, but anyways, we're going to have that. And then Wednesday night, if you can come out, uh, we're going to, Matt's going to do part five of the Holy Spirit this week, right? Part five? No, he's not going to do part five. Family. He's skipping part five. He's done with that. It's New Testament church. We're moving on to the family, which is good. I had a, I had a, had a question for him, so he didn't want to answer that. Um, it's a good time, so come on out. It's, uh, it's family time. It's a good study. It's a it's a good it's a good time to it's a good way to study. Uh, we're enjoying it. So I encourage you always to come to the Bible classes when you can and um, stay faithful. Share the fruit of the Spirit where and as you can. It's our way to share Christ. Thank you. Let's stand and sing one thousand nine, and we'll be dismissed in our closing. Prayer, first and last verse. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes have wrapped the sword. He has loosed the faithful.
pray with me, please? Father God, you have been present since the beginning. You are the beginning and the end. You were present at the beginning of the life of each and every person who has lived before us throughout their entire lives. You were present at my birth, at the birth of everybody here. And you've been present every day since then. You were present when we woke this morning. You were present as we traveled to this place. And you're present now. Now we're about to leave this place and the future is before us. And you've demonstrated your consistent sacred presence always. We have no reason to believe that's going to change. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the fruits and the spirit. Thank you for your eternal sacred gift. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Father, we can't thank you enough. In your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.